To those who can hear me, I say, do not despair. The misery that is now upon us is but the passing of greed, the bitterness of men who fear the way of human progress. The hate of men will pass and dictators die, and the power they took from the people will return to the people. Because history has shown us that courage can be contagious, and hope can take on a life of its own. I will bring you hope. And I ask only one thing in return. We move now, together. Not at all. Hope is not lost today. It is found. Hope is what keeps you going. Even if the whole world is telling you to move, it's your duty to plant yourself like a tree, look them in the eye and say no. You move. Welcome to the Skiffy and Fanti Show. I'm Jen. And, and I'm Sean. And I guess today we're doing like a Signal Boost conversation thing, right? Yes, we are. And we're going to be talking about this whole big like October month thing. I don't know. It's something important. It's called Black Speculative Fiction Month. <laughs> yeah. But before we get into our conversation this week, we need to thank our amazing patrons that have been supporting us. That is Kate the Captivating, Becca the Blissful, David the Debonair, Mari the Munificent, TJ the Tenacious, Lisa the Lovable, Carrie the Caring, Nicholas the Nifty, Mary the Magical, and Ryan the Resilient. Woo! Yeah! Go you! Awesome. So thanks, everybody. Appreciate your support. Uh, I know we've been kind of slim on content. You can blame me for part of that and blame Jen for most of it. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. I appreciate that. <laughs> You're welcome. I wanted. I just. I just had to be a little bit. Uh, yeah. So we've been a little bit sparse, but that's because you know we're trying to work on you know life balance and trying to figure out all of the garbage that's going on in the world. Plus, uh, you know, 2018 is a garbage fire and nobody's happy. So yay! But thanks for sticking around anyway. Appreciate it. I really do appreciate. it I know I sound sarcastic, but I am. But but thank you. Thank you. Appreciate the support. Especially thank you to the people that have somehow managed to pledge to us, like, in the interim, when we haven't been doing anything, and they're still like, you guys are awesome! So maybe that just means we need to do less in the future? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. That's not gonna happen, because we're crazy and we like podcasting too much. But part of the reason for the Slim content, as uh, Duke mentioned, is the fact that he is now not just Sean Duke. The podcaster, he is now Dr. Duke. Woo-hoo! Yay! Yay! Woo! Congratulations. I'm very proud of you. Uh, thanks. Yeah, uh, because it took for fucking ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys don't realize how many months I was like, all right, so now you need to finish your dissertation. And he'd be like, it's just going to be another month and then we'll get back to normal. And I'd go, okay. Sounds good. And then a month later, so how's that dissertation going? It's fine. It's, it's okay. It's going terribly. Everything sucks. I hate my life. And then I'd be like, okay, so I guess another couple months and so on and so forth. But he did it. He finally finished it. He is now a doctor and I'm, I'm super duper extra proud of you. So, so welcome back to the show. Thanks, thanks. And I did move, which is yes. also another reason why I've been gone, because, you know, packing and finishing up teaching where I was working and then moving to a new place and getting settled in. So I now live in northern Minnesota. Yay! 
Where it is slowly approaching the death zone of cold. So I, I have a new job. I am currently a professor. I teach digital writing and digital rhetoric, which is pretty cool because I'm on Twitter all the time. So it now gives me an excuse for me to treat Twitter a little bit like work. Yay? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a hellscape. <laughs> I mean, I literally describe it to my students as it's the place where, t- where dreams go to die. It's, it's true. Yeah. And then, meanwhile, I have been largely absent because the dumpster fire that has been everything finally caught up to me in about, ooh, I would say March of this year, maybe April. And so I basically just totally lost it, became a hermit. Okay, I'm still a hermit. That's never changed. <laughs> That's <Jen>. never changed. <laughs> Technically, I'm a hobbit, not a hermit. Uh, (laughs) on my good days i'm a hobbit on my bad days i'm a hermit but i'm doing much better now and i just want to remind people that if you do have mental health problems because my depression just took a a major 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 dive and i finally got help for it i should have done it ages ago so i want to encourage anybody that does have mental health issues to go out and ask for help you do not have to do this alone and i'm really Really glad that I did, because now it means that I can have fun with all of you! Yay! Speaking of which, we have a new podcast that's coming out this month. What? But just to add to that, I like I know we talk about it a lot, uh, but it's, I go, I'm going to go on a limb and assume a lot of the people who listen to this show, probably all of you, share a lot of things politically with us. If not all the things, but certainly many of them. Which means, of course, the last two years have been difficult to put it mildly and um i know that like there's like we got to stay vigilant we got to be ready for the fight but there's also value in like stepping back and you know there's there is no shame in like taking a day off and just going and doing something that makes you happy or doing you know going and getting help if you need it or whatever because taking care of yourself like you it, you can't like just fall into the pit of doom uh, as easy as it is because of the way the world is right now. So self-medicate as much as possible, basically. But with 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 joy, to be clear. <laughs> I don't mean like self-medicate, <laughs> right. like just become an alcoholic. Please don't become an alcoholic. No, that's not what we are asking. Definitely self-medicate with nature and books and happy things uh, and family and friends and whatever it is that you love, go out and do it. And if you're finding that even with that, that you're still in need of help, uh, as we said, please go go find help. And obviously, our DMs are pretty much always open. I know mine is. So even if you don't think you know me at all, I, I'm still here and I am happy to talk pretty much anytime. So just FYI. Can I just add, if folks have found any like particularly good like just general coping mechanisms like you know not everyone is you know has a kind has like kind of serious uh, medical depression or anything but we're like finding it hard to just be positive or happy because of just the way things are has anyone found any good coping mechanism things that they just found really were helpful to just go do this thing or to to i don't know whatever it is um, please share it with us that would be great yeah that would be great especially if those things are books yes Books are lovely, yeah. Because that's kind of why we're here. (laughs) That's that's partly what we're here for, yeah. Books, TV, whatever. Partly what we're here for, exactly. (laughs) But let's get to the actual topic of discussion today, which is Black Speculative Fiction Month. Uh, It was founded in 2013 
by Black speculative fiction writers Balogun Ojitade and Milton J. Davis. And every day should be Black Speculative Fiction Day, particularly when you consider how the publishing field is definitely structured to sometimes be hostile to people of color. We really wanted to highlight uh, Black voices this month in honor of Black Speculative Fiction Month. So we're going to be doing things like um, our torture poll this month will... <laughs> it's it's funny. I was honored to confer with my friends, Tanya Thompson, the director, executive producer of Nightlight Pod, uh, and one of our very own, Zinni Rocklin, to help me figure out what would be the best black horror films for our torture poll this month. And we have settled on Vampire in Brooklyn. Yay, Eddie Murphy. <laughs> Bones. <laughs> Starring Snoop Dogg oh. and Leprechaun in the Hood. Oh, that one's the so... one I want to win. <laughs> <laughs> They're all hilarious. Yes. This this is going to be a fun torture poll. Whatever wins is going to be a ton of fun. And both Tanya and Terry are going to be on that episode uh, this month. So it should be really good fun. We will also be reviewing Beasts of the Southern Wild, which is a black speculative fiction story. Eden Royce and Terry again will be joining me to talk about that. There's going to be a black horror discussion and Tanya and Terry are actually going to be co-hosting that and we should have some pretty amazing guests. We're still lining those up but I'm excited about the people we're inviting. And then Reading Rager's Shorts will be discussing the NAMO Awards which is the African Science Fiction Awards. And they're going to be talking about the the short fiction nominees for that award, which I believe is actually announced and, and getting held this month. And then last but not least, we will be having a new signal boost every week with Black creators in the speculative fiction community. So that's what we're going to be doing to celebrate Black Speculative Fiction. Also on the blog, you will find reviews of books by Black Speculative Fiction writers. So. Yeah, I'm super excited about it, and I think it's really important right now, especially given some some recent kerfuffles. Yeah, freaking Goodreads. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what happened with Goodreads? So I, I what I understand of what happened is that Goodreads began pulling all of Faya's issues off of their platform, which... What, not just pulling it off, like maybe sticking it in a draft mode, but just flat out deleting them and all of the reviews that went with them because they were just destroying the pages entirely. And this became a problem because Faya, as everybody knows, is exclusively a publication of black authors. And it happened to be the only magazine that Goodreads seemed to have picked on. And then uh, Goodreads decided also to go after Fireside, I think. No, they went after Anathema, which is also dedicated to people of color. And their excuse was that they didn't have ISBNs. Which could be fixed. Right, exactly. Unfortunately, what happened was these were the only two magazines that appear to have disappeared, especially in the speculative fiction field. And the director of Fireside, Brian White, came in to talk about this because of the fact that Fireside, who... Also, I believe does not have an ISBN, had not been deleted. So it seemed a little bit questionable. Seems questionable to me, to quote Tarzan. 
<laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> and and that's a problem. Things like this happen regularly, unfortunately, in the speculative fiction community. Uh, you'll hear Becca and I talking to Rebecca Roanhorse, if you haven't already, about how the voices of people of color are actively pushed back against within a lot of areas of the speculative fiction community. Not necessarily the publishers uh, in Rebecca's case, as you'll hear, but from agents that she submitted her books to, which is a problem. But magazines also push back against Black people and people of color in general on the language that they're using. On all kinds of things. I mean, even Joyce has said a few times, like for, for people of Asian descent, who get the, well, this isn't Asian enough, stick some more Asian things in here. So even when they're not trying to be, quote unquote, too Asian, whatever the hell that means, right, they get criticized for not being Asian enough. And it's like, well, how much Asian is there? Like, what's the line? Where, where is the gradient? (laughs) Yeah, where's, where's this neutral zone between too much and too little? And this is the space that writers of color have to navigate in the speculative fiction community, particularly. Uh, and that's a problem. That's a big problem. So when Goodreads went and did this and just pulled Faya and Anathema, like, very shortly after, obviously the community was very supportive of Faya, Brian White particularly. Uh, and we're going to be linking to you a fantastic article by our very own Alex Axe that recaps the entire thing. But after all of this and the excuses that the the... The problem was that the excuses that Goodreads gave really did not ever actually deal with the fact that two magazines by people of color were deleted and magazines that were not by people of color were not. They have never dealt with that because it very well could have been just one librarian who is a racist asshole. Possible. Uh, But unfortunately... Their system allows for things like that to happen. And they have not dealt with that at all. So instead of changing their policy, Goodreads basically just doubled down on, well, this is just how it works, and never actually really dealt with the issue, which is what happens frequently in our community, sadly. Unfortunately, yeah. And and their excuses for what happened just didn't did not honestly make a lot of sense. No. It was just very strange and like brought up like it does like I don't know if you all is actually racist, but like the optics of this, you you've just targeted a a black publication for black people and you've just outright deleted all their stuff. Yeah, so it does seem racist and like literally their response was, "Well, that's preposterous." And it's like, "No, your response should have been oh shit, we did only do this to the one black publication. How did that happen? Right, because regardless of whether that was the intent, that's what happened. It's entirely possible that all of the librarians are not like overtly racist and like maybe they really did. They're like, oh, this thing doesn't have an ISBN and they just didn't look deep enough and they just deleted it. But at the same time, your response still should be like, but yeah, but we can't be seen to be like doing something where we're removing people's stuff that potentially damages an already vulnerable population. The natural response should be, how do we work with you to make sure that you follow our guidelines and that everyone's happy? Like, I don't understand why that wasn't just the solution. Like, obviously, the, like there are other magazines on there 
Okay, so what is what? Why didn't you just say, "Look, we're putting you on like a quote unquote probation"? Don't call it probation, but whatever, right? You're on a quote unquote probation. Fix X, Y, and Z or whatever, and then it all all is good. And then they would go, "Oh yeah, that's right," because Asimov's is on there, and they did all of those things too. Sure, it makes sense. I should have to do the same thing. Bum ba dum ba dum, done. Right. Or you go the other direction and say, we clearly have a large number of magazines that do not have ISBNs and other works, because this is true of Goodreads. Um, And so we're just going to eliminate that requirement for magazines. Um, Or, or, and in addition to either of those situations, we are going to review how our librarians work. Because if this actually was a case, essentially what you're dealing here is with here is that structural racism is real. And whether or not the specific action was from a racist person, the system allowed for it to occur. And that's where Goodreads needs to resolve the issue. They cannot hide from it. It is a thing that occurred. They can't just be like sweep it under the rug and be like, oh, well, you know, whatever. We're we're clearly not racist and uh, this is all their fault or whatever it is they said. That's not going to work long term because someone was given the power to delete magazines by people of color focusing on marginalized communities with seemingly no repercussion and no real resolution. Right. And not just moderators, by the way. My understanding is that these were like super librarians. So they're like the super editors on Wiki, which have like not every librarian has the power to remove pages. This has to be like taken from like, like lower librarians who funnel it up the, the, the hierarchy and then it goes to people with powers that nobody else has and so their job is supposed to be like very discerning like we need to look at this okay uh, here are the rules and then here's the content and like we have to analyze the situation and it seems like their response as super librarians was we just looked at the rules and looked at the thing and said well it didn't follow these rules so delete instead of like looking at the context no what was discovered later is that the rules very specifically said that magazines are valid without one uh yeah everything i said is now invalid because at at that point it's over that they weren't following the rules i don't know what was going on in their heads because i i don't know any of them but it seems to me that whether they were intentional racist or they were unintentional so subconscious they they exhibited a bias and now they need to they need to own up to it and fix it done end of discussion my whole opinions just changed just for, by that. But they came back and said that magazines are not allowed in general. So though they have this written rule, it's not a very clear rule, which again leads us to your system is broken. You need to fix it. Well, it's it's even more ridiculous because... There's the whole point of having the super librarians is that those librarians should have a consensus about what is and is not allowed. Right. You know, I get that there are situations like maybe with conduct, how people behave, that can be a little bit more subjective. But why don't they have a system where like, okay, guys, like we have this thing going on. We all need to confer as super librarians to come to 
like a majority decision or a consensus about what is the the action. But if if what they're doing, like that just seems to me like that's a stupid system. You can't just have super moderator. Like who the fuck are these super moderators? I don't even know who they are. Are they what are they? Are they actual librarians? Are they ninjas? Are they like I don't know, like secret Russian spies? Like who fucking knows? And so like if without a sense of consensus, so you have moderators doing X and moderators doing Y and they're both interpreting the rules that's not how it can work. I mean, that's not how any governing body is supposed to work. Yeah, and as Alex brings up in their article, you know, it, it's it's worth asking, this is a direct quote, it's worth asking who those rules privileged in the first place. Why does the purchase of an ISBM or the presence of an ASIN magically confer literary worthiness of a magazine to exist on Goodreads, right? And we have to keep in mind that um, Goodreads is owned by Amazon. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, I get it. I, I it, it improves sales. It makes it so it's easier to purchase things. I don't know. It's There's also some stuff in it, like in uh, self-publishing circles where like having ISBNs gives a sense of legitimacy. Right. So it, it, but yeah. part of that is because they're really expensive. Are they? Yes. It's it's a lot of money for a small magazine. Yeah, especially if they're self-funded. That that's a that's a pretty chunk. Yeah. Exactly. So, I mean that's that's a problem in unto itself, right? Oh, I don't know. It's it's a mess. Goodreads fucked up. They need to own up to it. And they just need to fix it. I don't there's just doesn't it makes no sense why they're still going on. It just no, it's it's ridiculous, and I think it's it's as I said, it's systemic. This is this is not something new. So that's part of the reason we're doing Black Speculative Fiction Month. There are amazing black authors out there, and everybody should pay more attention to them. Support Faya, obviously, because they're a fantastic magazine publishing some fantastic writers. So despite all of this Goodreads shit. Faya is still there, and there are other ways to support them. I hope Goodreads gets their fucking shit together. Excuse my language. Um, but in the meantime, go seek out Faya. We'll give you the links in the show notes and support Black writers. I think, though, unfortunately, that's our time for today. So why don't we get to our mini boosts, Dr. Duke? Okay, so my two boosts in order to celebrate uh, this October. Festival of Joy is Sharing. I have a book that's out by uh, Duke University Press. It's an academic book by um, a person by the name of Sammy Schalk, S-C-H-A-L-K. Links in the show notes. Uh, it's a book called Body Minds Reimagine Disability, Race, and Gender in Black Women's Speculative Fiction. Um, this is a book I actually didn't know about until like five minutes before this episode started. And now I want it because uh, essentially what she is looking at is looking looking at the way that black women write speculative fiction. Um, and uses disability studies um, theory and black race theory as a way of discussing those works. Um, it's new to me, so I don't know a whole lot about it, except that uh, it is delightful. There are three different types you can get, so you can get one that's actually reasonably priced, despite academic books usually costing your firstborn. So the paperback version is like $23, so it's it's more reasonable. But yeah, so it, it looks like a really interesting book, uh, and I've already put it on my wish list. Uh, and when I have money again, I probably will buy it because I I want it. My other book, I also had no idea was coming out uh, or had already come out. And I wish I had because I would have bought it way back when it actually dropped. It is a memoir by uh, Gugi Watiangyo, uh, who is probably best known in genre circles for Wizard of the Crow, which is 
I would call it a speculative fiction novel. Some people would refer to it as uh, uh, magical realism or something like that. Uh, but I prefer just calling it a full speculative novel. But he's written, I think, over over 40 or 50 novels at this point. He's known for quite a lot of work. Great writer. Fantastic writer from Kenya originally. Um, Wrestling with the Devil is his memoir uh, and sort of his perspective on uh, his his final day in prison. Um, it, it begins roughly 30 minutes before his release and hits sort of a flashback about uh, what happened to him uh, while he was basically being imprisoned um, and sort of gives you an, a perspective of how he becomes the person we now know him to be. Um, a lot of really awful things happened to him and his wife while they were in prison. I won't get into them because they, I think for some people, would be pretty triggering. Um, so, but it, just know it's a pretty dark story. It's pretty effed up, but. The guy has gone on to become probably one of the greatest Kenyan writers that ever lived. And he's still still here, still writing. Dude is amazing. He also, by the way, writes, uh, he has written several books, or maybe just one. I can't recall the number. Um, his original language is Kikuyu, which is the local tongue uh, in Kenya. And he's actually done the sort of act of, like, I guess you would call it decolonization by writing books originally in Kikuyu and then translating them into English, uh, which is really interesting because that almost never happens. I mean, African literature pretty much only is presented to the West if it was originally written in English. And so the idea that he, while living, I believe in California at the time, wrote the book in Kukuyu for the people back in Kenya and then translated it for all of us, uh, it's just a really, really interesting pathway. Uh, and he's a great writer, by the way. I, I mean, I really do recommend his work. Not all of his work is speculative in nature, um, some of it is Wizard of the Crow is a pretty long book, but some of his books are a little bit shorter. But he he really digs into the sort of colonial legacy of, uh, in Kenya and its impact on the people and its culture. And it's his work is it's just good. It's so good. Read his work, please. I knew you would come at us with two academic things, Dr. Duke. Well, I mean, Nogugi is, is not all academic. It's a memoir. I know. I'm teasing. I'm just saying. Nerd. I am a nerd about Googie, though. He's so good. He is so good. Awesome. So um, mine, these are kind of repeats, sort of, but we've talked about and two Rod Faulkner from The Seventh Matrix in the past. His blog is fantastic and highlights short speculative fiction films from across the internet and... Obviously, great blog. Go check out the Seventh Matrix website. But he started a new podcast called Eye on Sci-Fi. And uh, he picks one short film to highlight and really delve into what makes it great and, and why he loves it and what makes it really interesting. And it's just fantastic. Short and sweet episodes. They're usually under 10 minutes. And I've been really, really, really enjoying it. Rod is incredibly well-educated on both speculative fiction in general and short films. So go check out Ion Sci-Fi. Again, links will be in the show notes. And, and enjoy just the rich world of speculative fiction short films that are out there and available to all of us. It's just kind of an amazing space for opportunity in speculative fiction. And I love it. And then the next thing, and this is... I'm totally biased, totally biased. And obviously I've mentioned it within this podcast because I love it and I love Tanya is Nightlight Podcast. Tanya Thompson is the, it's the creator and the producer. I've been doing the audio production portion of it. 
and I've been having a lot of fun with it. But Nightlight Podcast is a black horror podcast. So every week you get a new horror story by a black writer, and there's some absolutely amazing ones. Um, we have one by Charles Chestnut. There's a story by Eden Royce. Last week was Sean Demery and just an amazing zombie story. Danny Lore, just some fantastic writers, both from the past and from now. We've been doing both. And I highly recommend listening to the audio narrations of these stories. And again, all by Black writers and all horror, so nice and creepy and fun. Um, on a normal day, if I wasn't doing the audio production, they'd be too scary for me to listen to. That's all I'm saying. Woo! And it's October, so obviously, go have some fun with horror. Halloween is totally Tanya's favorite holiday, so uh, <laughs> there's a reason this podcast exists. And yeah, so go check it out. Links in the show notes. Do it. Go for it. Yay! And if you are a black writer listening to this, submit your horror stories to Nightlight Pod because I want to do the audio production for them because it's so much fun. So everybody, pay attention to this space. Enjoy some black speculative fiction and have a fantastic October and a super creepy Halloween. Absolutely. Uh, You should do that. You should definitely do both of those things. Uh, send us your pictures of you scaring children. That's really what I want in life. I mean, it is the best part of Halloween. <laughs> 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 Sorry, I had to do my evil laugh. Jesus. Tone it down. Why? My, I have a really good evil laugh. Thank you very much. Okay, Hocus Pocus Ninja. Jesus. Ooh, speaking of which... So thanks for listening to the episode. Uh, if you want to support us, obviously you can go to patreon.com slash Every little bit helps. We are currently trying to build up to our new goal, which is to make an RPG actual play podcast, which is ridiculous and insane and has the greatest idea that Jen uh, and I, well, mostly Jen, and then I just modified it. But basically it was Jen's original idea uh, and it's fantastic. So do that. And yeah, yeah, you should definitely do that. And support Black Speculative Fiction every month. Ta-ta! I guess we're going away? Yeah, we're going away now. Oh, alright. Awkward ending and scene. Thank you for listening to the show. If you'd like to support us, you can find us at patreon.com slash skiffyandfanty. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can do so at our email at skiffyandfanty at gmail.com, on Twitter at skiffyandfanty, and on Facebook at the Skiffy and Fanty Show. Our intro and outro music comes from Dimension by Creo. You can find out more about them at freemusicarchive.org. <laughs>